Welcome to the Adorned Women Podcast. Our goal is to inspire you with new stories each week featuring women of faith from all over the world and all walks of life. Through weekly discussions with each sister in Christ, we hope to give you a glimpse into who they are and how their lives have been transformed by the gospel. We're all in this journey together, so let's be inspired together. Hi, Adorned Women, and welcome back to the Adorned Women podcast. I'm your host, Alicia, and this week's guest is one of our more well-known guests, Leanna Cinquanta. Leanna is a speaker, author, and the founder of WIN, We Ignite Nations, a global organization dedicated to meeting both the human and spiritual needs of some of the world's darkest places. You could look at all the work Leanna has done and the vastness of her influence and impact and think, well, there's one of those Christian superstars. I'll never be someone who makes that kind of a difference in the world. But in reality, Leanna is simply a woman who has submitted her will to Christ and listened and followed when he spoke. You'll hear more about this in her story today, but don't let that message pass you by. Leanna is an ordinary woman with a heart surrendered to an extraordinary God, and that's exactly the kind of woman we can and should all strive to be. Now, before we jump into the conversation, I do want to note something. The goal of Adorned Women is not to teach, but to testify. However, while we do screen every guest to make sure they're sound believers, we can't control what they say on the podcast, and so sometimes the conversation does become somewhat teaching-oriented. As you'll probably notice today, Leanna does a lot of teaching, and I'll be the first to admit that as a teacher at heart, I can easily slip into teaching mode as well. However, I wanted to take this opportunity to remind you that our greatest desire at Adorned Women is that you would move closer to God and closer to the people around you. That's our agenda. Anytime you hear or read something that we put out, whether story or statement, I strongly encourage you, don't just blindly accept it. Go to God in prayer about it. Measure it against scripture. Discuss it in community with other believers. Hold us accountable. None of us is infallible, but we don't want to let that fact disqualify us from confidence that we can be used by God to bring glory to his name. So as you listen to Leanna share her experiences and perspective today, I hope you'll have your heart turned to God asking him first and asking him directly, Lord, what are you showing me through this conversation today? I might be teaching a little bit here, but I'm pretty sure you can't go wrong with a prayer like that. Hi, Leanna. Welcome to the Adorned Women podcast. Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be with you today. Yeah, of course. And I, uh, I think we'll just jump right in here. So what I'd love to hear from you uh, as we start off is just a little bit of context for our listeners. Uh, where are you right now? What are you doing? What does your day-to-day life look like right now? Um, I'm in Colorado right now. And so I am actually uh, love to be over in the nations. But my job is primarily behind the scenes, raising up the people that are over there in those very developing and unreached nations. Um, And so our home base of WIN, We Ignite Nations, is our organization, and we're based in uh, outskirts of Denver, Colorado. So I'm here and preparing for an exciting summer of travel and ministry all around the U.S. as we're going to be welcoming some of our native leaders from South Asia will be here with us and we'll be traveling around and sharing the stories of what's happening over there. It's a lot of exciting things. Yeah. Which, which nations are you, is your organization in right now? 
Yeah, we're in uh, India and Nepal and uh, several other nations. Um, we also do a little bit of work in Peru. But our primary focus is the places that have the least access to the hope and the salvation of Jesus, as well as places that are suffering some of the worst um, uh, social injustice in the world. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll definitely talk more about that later. For you in your role, what does your kind of day-to-day work look like? So I am always um, going, working on the computer and uh, communicating with our native leaders over there and planning what we're going to be doing and talking with them. Really, they, they are the ones that cast the vision to us. <clears throat> and then we kind of are the ones that find the funding for it. And then I get to go over and some of our other teams sometimes gets to go to be a part of implementing those incredible projects that are happening there in the field, sustainable transformation. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. And um, but that yeah, my job is quite a great deal on the computer, on the phone, connecting with people and also just ministering the gospel all over wherever the Lord opens doors. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. One more question before we do. Um, you sound like you're pretty busy, uh, but do you ever have downtime? What do you like to do just to relax or to enjoy yourself? Horses. I'm a horse <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I actually live on both sides of the mountain. And right now, actually, that's why I don't have my podcasting mic, is I'm over at mom's house on the western slope. Mom's 81. And uh, we have where our horses over here, too. So I come over here whenever I'm not traveling. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a little bit about um, kind of your background with horses, and um, why not just get into that? Um, basically, we'd love to take it back now and just hear a little bit about what's made you who you are today. So, um, yeah, just looking for stories of any key moments from your childhood on up that have kind of got you where you are now. Um, yeah. Feel free to share. Sure. Okay. So I was basically an atheist growing up as a young person. I'm an only child, spoiled rotten. Mom and dad uh, decided to keep me out of school back in the 70s. Yeah, that's how old I am. <laughs> when uh, it came time for me to go to school, we were in living in Wisconsin, and but it, it wasn't legal in all states of the U.S. to homeschool. Uh, but so they were, we were going to get thrown in. My dad and mom were going to get thrown in jail. So we said, okay, we're tired of call of um, um, Wisconsin winners anyway. Let's go to Arizona where we can do homeschooling. And so that began us traveling, and we built eight houses with our own hands before I was age 15, or I had um, been with my parents working with them and doing literally uh, putting the digging the ditches and mixing the cement in the wheelbarrow and hauling stones with the pony from the ditch across the road. And so we built homes with our own hands and lived off the land. And that was one thing that kind of believe God used to prepare me. See, sometimes you don't know what God's going to do to prepare you for your future. There might be challenging times and sad times and difficult times. And you're like, why is that? Why am I going through this? But God is using it to prepare you for your future. Because see, then when it came to going into nations where you don't have running water, you don't have electricity, I was like, I've been doing that all my life. That's easy. <laughs> okay, so yeah, but I didn't believe in God. We didn't go to church. My dad was basically a Catholic background um, Italian, uh, but 
didn't want, had no interest in going to church, felt bitter toward the church because of what he'd seen happening. Um, Mom was Methodist background, but she actually, as a child, and I didn't know this till many years later, she had felt called to go to India as a young, as a teenager, uh, but then got directed different ways. And so anyway, so then um, I was growing up not knowing God and had never been in church up until age 15. One wedding and one funeral is all I had ever experienced church in that sense. Never read the Bible, had no really idea who Jesus is. It's like, well, I'm not a Hindu. I'm not a Buddhist. So I must, I'm, a, I'm an American, so I must be a Christian. And um, I don't know if that would be the case anymore today if young people growing up would think of themselves as a Christian because they're American. It would be nice because that's our heritage that we're departing from that heritage. Um, Anyway, so uh, I became at age 15. um, Several incredible miracles happened leading up to the time when I gave my life to Christ. And to and I wish I had a book to hold up right now, but I, I'm a published author and you can get more of the story in the book called Treasures in Dark Places. One Woman, a Supernatural God and a Mission to the Toughest Part of India is my story that gives more detail about all the miracles that led up to when I finally gave my heart to Jesus and uh, I was very hard young person. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of bitterness. I don't know why, because I had wonderful parents and wonderful upbringing. And uh, but I said, God, I don't I don't see you. I don't hear you. I don't believe in you. And during this time, I was progressing in my equestrian uh, pursuits. I was became the uh, one of the youngest riders to win a uh, national award in my field of, of equestrian riding, which was dressage riding. I had a horse that was a handicapped horse because we couldn't afford an, one, an, an otherwise, and the, the, we got this horse for a discount. And, and then I was training this horse and went up to about halfway up the levels of difficulty and uh, won some awards. And so I thought, I'm going to be going into the Olympics. I'm going to, that's my dream is to go to the Olympics and uh, with my horse career. My dad started building an equestrian facility that was like would set me up for my whole future. But in the meantime, I wasn't yet a believer. And so the Lord just broke in on my life. March 28, 1986 is when um, I was asleep in my room like any other night. And in my room. There was a guest bed where my friends would stay overnight sometimes. Well, this night I had no friends over and no one else in our home. And so I woke up at about five o'clock in the morning and I was was on like, you know, a bad attitude teenager. You know, I'm like, why did I wake up so early? What am I going to think about to get back to sleep? And all of a sudden, an audible voice spoke to me from across the room and the voice said, there's somebody in the guest bed. Instantly, I'm wide awake. I'm like, where'd this voice come from? I looked at the guest bed, and sure enough, there was a person asleep in the bed. And I'm just terrified because I used to watch the scary movies, right? <laughs> and so every scary movie, the, 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 the monsters, right, crawl out from under your bed. And I'm just terrified. Yeah. What's happening? Who's in my room? What's, what's going on? How did this person get in my room? And I didn't know what to do. 
That's terrible. And I crawled out over the end of my bed and I inched across the room to the light switch and the door out and down the stairs. And I'm standing there trembling out of the joy terminal light. This person's going to wake up. What's going to happen? For some reason, I don't know why, probably because I was a rebellious teenager. Um, I didn't go down and tell my parents. <laughs> I got back in my bed <laughs> and I hid under the blankets, played like I was sleeping, and I waited. And it wasn't very long. And the person sat up on the side of the bed. It was Jesus. The moment I saw him, all my fear was gone. I knew it was Jesus right away. All my fear was gone. And I was so, and, and so the way I saw him is not as we know. We know through the, what the Bible tells us when Jesus died on the cross, then he rose up from the dead, right? And he's, see, he's, he's reigning with the Father. He's in glory. He's alive. Right? But at that moment, God allowed me, I don't know how this works, he allowed me to see Jesus as he would have looked on the cross. And I saw where they had beaten him. I saw where his clothes were in rags and his body was just covered with blood, where they'd beaten him with a, with a, a whip with uh, laced with bone chips to just rip his skin. I saw where they had beaten him on his face. I saw the, where they put the crown of thorns on his head and the thorns had pierced his his skin i saw the nail holes in his hands in that moment i knew jesus died for me this is the penalty for my sin that he loved me this much god loves me this much to have given his life and to suffer this for me in that moment i knew god is real jesus is real in that moment, just the, I knew the Bible is the word of God. And I knew I am a sinner and I need Jesus for my salvation. And I was just the over, I was overwhelmed with repentance. And I just fell on my face on my bed, weeping and repenting. And it wasn't very long. And Jesus leaned over and he put his hand on my shoulder. And he said very gently, my child, don't cry. I sat up and I looked into his eyes and I'm thinking in my natural mind, I'm thinking, surely he's angry with me. I've done so much evil. I've been such a wicked person. I've caused him all the suffering. Surely he's angry with me. But when I looked into Jesus' eyes, all I saw was love and forgiveness and, you know, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you are saying, I've been such a rotten person, how could God ever accept me? No, God's love overcomes anything that we have ever done. And that's why Jesus died, because he knew we are sinners. He knew we can't do good, good enough for God. He took the penalty for our wrongdoings, for all of our evil, and he forgives you, as soon as you would reach out to him and say, Jesus, I believe, help me come into my heart and cleanse me from my sin. That's what happened for me right there. 
on my bed is I didn't even know what I was doing. It just, it was natural. It was like repenting from my sin and just the love of God washing over me and just cleansing me and the Holy Spirit coming into my heart. I cried myself to sleep, woke up in the daylight. I was so changed. I was afraid to look in the mirror. I felt like, you know what I felt like? You know when you open a bottle of of, of carbonated like Coke or um, carbonated water and zzz, the fizzies come out? That's what I felt like all inside. I felt like just, it was like sparkles. I felt like sparkles were just fizzing up out of my heart. And it was because the Holy Spirit had come into my heart. He'd cleansed me of my sin And now I was a child of God. And that's what he'll do for you, too, because Jesus died for you also. Now, if I could ask, you said you didn't read the Bible growing up. Did you have any conception of Jesus as he died or did you see him and recognize him without really having that understanding? So I had a very vague conception, and this is how, um, you know, um, so many homes, even now today, will have a very dusty Bible sitting on the shelf that never gets opened, right? Uh, And so we had that. As a a Christian family, you know, you have to have a Bible. Well, the Bible I remember sitting on the shelf, never being read, was a children's picture Bible. And so I very vividly remembered all my childhood, several times in my childhood, seeing this book, this big, thick book. And on the front of it um, was, I don't know, some camels or something. But the one time that that I remember that book being opened, the picture I saw inside the book was Jesus carrying the cross. Mm. And I knew this without ever having heard the story uh, somewhere, uh, osmosis somehow, I'm like, yeah, uh, Christians believe in Jesus and Jesus died on the cross. I mean, I knew about that much. So, yeah, only that. Oh, and my mom was starting to take me to school, to to uh, to church. And I forgot that part. Mom had started to go to church and uh, and and I was hearing the gospel through the youth pastor in my youth group. And so that was part of it too, that kind of opened the door to the Lord being able to touch, to to give me that experience. Well, so you have this radical experience, this radical change. How do you get from there to <laughs> We Ignite Nations and everything you've done internationally? Right, yeah. So soon after that, see, my dad is building me this horse arena, which actually occurred a number of years later as I was in college. Um, And I was uh, going, finishing college, and my dad had started, had was finishing the fifth year of building this equestrian facility. And it was now finished with an indoor riding arena and attached stable and and he did all this. Oh, my dad was an aeronautical genius. He taught me to fly a plane at wow. age nine. <laughs> he was a fighter pilot in World War II. And so he was this amazing aircraft engineer that never knew how to merely make money with his skills. He could have been wealthy, but he would build somebody's airplane on contract, get paid and go out and buy some more lumber and steel and nails. And, and with his own hands at age 65, he's up on this 24 foot high roof. 
uh, pounding nails and pulling these huge things of steel up there and building this equestrian facility. He had dreamed to build the first ever man-powered flapping wing aircraft uh, to really fly above the ground. In fact, he gave up that dream for my horse uh, career and poured every last ounce of his strength into it. It was my dad was a picture of God's love for us, really. My dad and mom. I mean, mom, he couldn't have done it without my mom. And she put up with him <laughs> um, and and helped him, was right there alongside of him the whole time. And really, my parents are an example of God's love for us that no matter what we bad we've done, how nasty we've been, he loves us that much. And so when I got came to know Christ, I then started knew that I was going to give my life to serve the Lord somehow. And I went to after college, I went to a, a Bible school uh, where they started telling us about the nations that had not heard about Christ and the nations where there's just so much child trafficking and so much abuse and so much uh, um um, poverty and so many things. And I'm like, I need to go to these places that are so dark. Maybe God's speaking to me to go to these kind of a place. And then, but then I got in, involved in the campus ministry in my college. And I'm like, no, nah, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to, I have this beautiful horse facility. I'm going to be training horses and I'm going to do college ministry and work with the campus kids in America. And I'd gone on an outreach to Mick. I forget where I'd been, um, Germany. And I thought, okay, cool. You know, I, I did my little missionary thing and um, I'm just going to do campus ministry. Uh, but then as I was in that Bible school uh, environment, one night the Lord just spoke to me very clearly. And that's another whole encounter that's given very detail in the book. Um, where the Lord just came and spoke to me. And soon after that, I got a dream three nights in a row, the same dream. And in this dream, I saw I was like up above South Asia. And so you think of China and Tibet and India, Nepal, India, that whole what we call the subcontinent of South Asia. And I was above this and I was drawn in to the Himalaya Mountains and the Ganges River. There's the Himalayas kind of divide China from India. And then below that comes the all across the northern part of India comes the Ganges River. And I was I didn't know where this even was on the map. I didn't know where this was. I was later. I was like, oh, that's where I was. And so I was like, here's this map. And I'm looking at these mountains and these mountains were like castles and they became like castles. And this was the days before Lord of the Rings became a movie. I don't know if you like Lord of the Rings as I'm crazy about. Um, but that and, and, and looking back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, these mountains were like Sauron's castle. And then I saw seated in the mountains were demons and they were big, powerful, ancient, wicked warlords. And thinking back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they were like orcs. They were they literally were like orcs and they were so evil and they were holding reins in their hands as if they were like driving a chariot. And the reins were made of chains and the chains went down into the whole land, binding the people in slavery to idol worship, poverty, sex trafficking, all of the darkness we see in that part of the world. And my heart broke for those people that are enslaved. It was like there's these demons were driving them. They had whips and they're driving them. And but they're 
bound in this slavery. And I woke up from that dream three nights in a row, the same dream. I called my dad. I said, sell the horse facility, sell the horses. I've got to go to Northern India. And that was the beginning when I began to prepare to go. Well, that's such a huge step, I'm sure. Like, as as an athlete myself, I can understand just kind of giving up on something that big in your life. That mm-hmm. That's something that, that's more than just, you know, I, I changed my mind. That's a heart change. That's major. Yeah. But you know, that was sometimes when you give up something that's very close to your heart, sometimes, and, and the hardest, you know what the hardest thing was? Telling my dad. Oh, yeah. Because he wasn't yet a believer. He was not going to understand why would I give up everything for Jesus, you know. And But you know what? We could never imagine that my dad would ever say yes to Christ. We never could imagine that he would say, I'm going to follow Jesus. But when I did that, he went into a season of depression because I was kind of his God. And Mm -hmm. my career had become his God. And when he had to let go of that, he started to realize that Jesus must be real if I would give up everything for him. My dad gave his life to Jesus a few years later before he passed away. Uh, My dad was 20 years older than my mom, and so he was elderly already at that time. Um, But see, you can never outgive God. God will always repay you. What's it say? A hundredfold he will repay you when you leave, whatever you leave for Jesus. If it's the Holy Spirit calling you to do that, he will always repay you somehow. And I know I'll see my dad in heaven because uh, that example of giving up everything to follow Christ Help my dad to come. Some folks that you, you're watching this, uh, you're, you're listening to this podcast, um, and you're going, well, I can't do this or that for God because my family doesn't want me to. Well, sometimes when you take that step of obedience to God, he is going to work in the hearts of your family or your friends. When you obey God, even when it's hard, they're going to see a level of faith in you that they had not seen before. And that's the thing that's going to help them to say, okay, God is real. Yeah, that's incredible. It's such a, such a great thing for your family. Um, something that really stuck out to me as you were telling that story was that you were going to go into campus ministry. It's not like you were like, you know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to go do something sinful or I'm not, you know, just something that's not even ministry oriented. You were actually going into ministry and then God redirected you. And so, you know, I would love to hear a little bit more about your relationship with God, how you could hear so clearly that you could know even this ministry isn't good enough for God in the sense that it's not what he called me to do. Um, Mm -hmm. It reminds me of that verse, I think, in Isaiah that says, even our best works are as good as dirty rags. Um, You know, when we're operating outside of what the Spirit is actually leading us to do, it's it's not even good. Even ministry is not even good outside of the spirit. And so um, could you share a little bit um, maybe about that experience and about how God continues to lead you um, into what he has for you, not just your best idea of what might be good for him? Sure. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it's, it's so easy for us to just follow our heart. And quite often, quite often God will speak through our heart. You know, it's, um, if I had gone into campus ministry, I believe God would have blessed that. 
but it might not have been the highest road. See, uh, there's a, there's sometimes there's a high road and a lot so high road uh, in ministry. And if we'll really listen to God, He'll guide us into the highest road where for for us, which is where He really wants us. And we can choose second best, and He's still going to use us. But if we'll really listen, He will guide us into what's the best. And it's and each one's individual. Not everybody is called to leave everything and go to some faraway nation. That's one of my main uh, teachings. Is no, quite often you are called to stay and to be that indigenous person reaching your own local, what we call Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But every one of us is also called to do something to reach the unreached that have never heard the gospel or to bring transformation to a region of the world that's just destitute and just bound in so much poverty and sex trafficking. And and every one of us should do something in our Jerusalem and in the ends of the earth. And the thing is, are you called to primarily focus on which one? So a lot of people are called to primarily focus in their Jerusalem, which is right around you, but you're also going to do something in the ends of the earth. For me, God wanted me to primarily or to initiate these models. And it's not that he that I'm I'm only focusing out there, but now what I'm seeing is he's using that, the models of transformation and life change and whole community transformation to create a model that is now going to be useful to take on stuff back here in the U.S. also or in our in, in the Western communities that needs the same kind or similar kind of intervention. And so uh, so allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you, don't think that it's better to go over there or it's better to stay. None. Neither one is better. But it's what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. And just get your own thoughts and your own desires out of the way and say, Lord, what do you want? And allow him to speak. Um, that's the only advice I would give as to which. I mean, it's neither one of those is better. It's what is the Lord's high road for you? And he will use you anywhere. But let him show you the high road that he has just for you. Yeah. And obviously, you know, God is not limited. He can speak to each of us in different ways. He spoke to you in dreams and all these crazy experiences, but maybe he speaks to some of us just through his word and just right. through other people in our lives. Um, but even with that, I would love to hear maybe a story. You've already shared these crazy experiences. Do you have any more just everyday experiences of just relationship with God where he's led you along his best, his best path for you um, and how, how that sort of interaction occurred? And I want to catch up here to to the connecting it with with when and what we're doing today. Um, and so when I, it came time to go to uh, South Asia and the Lord had showed me, don't join any missions groups. Now, I already had my credentials with one of the top and most well-known missions groups out there. Uh, but he said, don't join any missions groups. I'm going to show you something different. So here we go again. The Holy Spirit's leading me to the highest road. If I had gone with the missions group, he would have used me. But it wouldn't have been at the caliber that it is 
when he's allowed, allowed, so he shows me to go to a certain region of India. This was all through dreams and visions. And then he shows me, start by raising up the native people. You're not going to be the one out there in those villages preaching or rescuing kids or teaching in the education center. You're not going to be the one doing it. And I got very angry with God. I had got on a plane with a one-way ticket, wrote my will for my parents to find because I thought I was going to die over there, went over there and started living with the native people. And then God tells me this, you're not the one going to do it. You're going to be a servant of the native people. Bam. I didn't like that. But, you know, it took one year. I remember Jacob wrestling with God, right? <laughs> wrestling with the heart. I wrestled with God. I'm like, I don't like this. And then one day, bam, it clicked. Yeah, we're going to be a team. I have to do what I can do and serve in the worlds that I can serve. And they're going to do what they are best at. And with the native language, with the native culture, with the native styles, with their brown faces, they're the ones going to go into those villages and so that was the key that unlocked an incredible harvest. Um, and the Lord had given me a scripture, Joshua chapter one, verse three, wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, I've given you the land. So when you find that, that place that God has called you into, and then you have his authority when you walk in that place, and he gives you that authority like that Joshua had when he entered the promised land, and the power of God worked with them to do the miracles and to see that land um, become part of the kingdom of God. And that's to bring God's kingdom into places of darkness and to bring his love and his life into those places and to see transformation. That's what we're called to do. Wherever God calls you, that's what you're to do. Okay. And when you do that, you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So from that point, we've just seen as uh, we started training up leaders, we founded the organization when we ignite nations. And we started training up the native leaders and empowering them and started learning how to rescue kids out of brothels. And now we've actually trained the police force of a city of 3.5 million and have busted brothels all over this city and seen girls rescued. That's just one of the things we've done. Um, just transforming this city that had so much uh, sex trafficking of young girls and transforming that and arresting those kids and solving the problem at the roots so that far less trafficking would go on in the future. Uh, so that's just one example of one of the things we're doing over there right now to bring light and hope into that place of great, very great darkness. I love what you said back there about how you realized all of a sudden, like you're a team and we're going to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about kind of your perception of maybe the global church. You know, what is your perception of our status as a team, as a global church? Um, mm -hmm. And then also maybe your perception of the unreached people in the areas that you've been in. Um, mm -hmm. But first, I do want to like focus in on one little thing you said when you said God gave you that verse in Joshua. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear just what you what you experienced. Um, how did you get a verse from God? Because, you know, maybe some people are just like, all right, let me flip the Bible open and there it is. Or, you know, how did you get there? How did God give that verse to you? Yeah. Um, 
Well, there's a long story really behind that being that verse being given to me as really a rhema revelation scripture. Went, that would take an entire other podcast. Okay, I'll tell you that story after some other time. Um, but uh, when 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 you're in the presence of the Lord, you're just waiting upon Him. Sometimes He will just, and you know the scriptures, right? And sometimes He'll give you a scripture you don't know. You'll just you'll just have this these words in your mind. And then you go look it up. Oh, that's a Bible verse. Wow. I think God gave me that. You know, uh, that's one way. And quite often it'll be a verse. You already kind of know this verse or maybe, you know, a Bible story. And he says, start reading this story. And as you read it, something in that story pops out. It's like and the Holy Spirit. Says, this is for you. And you just feel in your heart it's like as you're reading this, it's just ooh, this life just rolls up in you when you read that verse. It's just boom. This is for me. Uh, so this is this is the most common way that the Holy Spirit will give you a verse um, is either you're praying, you're just in his presence and you sense you feel that this verse just you just oh this verse comes into your mind. And then there's this there's this energy around that and it's personalized. It's not just you're reading the words. And OK, yeah, I'm reading the Bible. OK, this is a nice passage. It's more than that. It's the, the, like the Holy Spirit comes into that verse and boom, brings it into your heart and says, this is for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I have mm -hmm. certainly begun to learn that that really does happen, that God really does speak to us in that way. He's such a personal and direct God. So Man. thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I would really encourage listeners to embrace that and just, you know, don't take our word for it, but say, God, if you speak like that, then speak to me. Um, but yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, okay, so I would love to switch over to just this picture of the global church. First of all, the church, um, before we talk about the unreached people. Um, what is your perception of the global church? Where, where do you think it's at right now? You know, the Bible talks about working towards the maturity into the head that is Christ. Do you think we're there? Or do you think, you know, <laughs> what do you think is missing? Yeah, we got a long ways to go. Um, but we also don't have a long we we have the church has done such incredible things in the world. But the church needs to realize how powerful we are to make a difference in the world. And we need to rediscover uh, our identity. See, God is the king. I'm writing a book on this right now. It's going to come out hopefully this year. Um, I'm not going to release the name yet. Okay, but it's really it's about saying God is king and we are his vice regents sent into the world to steward the world. Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What's that mean? God wants righteousness in the earth. He wants justice to be done in the earth. He wants freedom to be done in the earth. And who are his ambassadors to do that? Believers, the church. That's why Jesus didn't call the church church. When he initiated the church, he, he said, I will build my ecclesia. Oh, that's a lost word that we got to rediscover because that word means the church is to be the government of God in the earth. Now, don't get political on me here. When we're talking about God's government. We're talking about righteousness, peace, salvation, joy, justice. Okay. We're not talking politics. God's government is about bringing his salvation. First of all, always for a salvation faith in Jesus Christ, but then not stopping there when we got to take it into every sector of society, the church is to be the hands and feet 
of God, of Jesus, bringing his kingdom into the world. And that's what we need to figure out. Number one, number two, unity. We got to quit arguing about doctrines. We got to quit trying to, we shouldn't be telling the the Pentecostals got to quit telling the Baptists to speak in tongues. And the Baptists got to quit telling the Pentecostals not to speak in tongues. We got to focus on what's important. What do we agree on? We all agree Jesus is Lord. So let's work together to bring his hope and his salvation to the world around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, God has definitely been teaching me about that as well. Just there needs to be more unity. There's so, you know, just having a couple of experiences of seeing even individual local churches come against each other, or at least be very protective of their own congregations. And there's no sense of unity there. Um, I think that's a powerful message. And like you said, it's not about, you know, listening to us say, this is what we need to do, or anybody, not listening to anybody, but the Holy Spirit lead you into his best. I think that's, that's what I'm hearing. It's like, when he leads you into his best, that's what's going to come about. It's his kingdom, his salvation for the world. Um, yes. So that's great. Uh, Here's one example from our, again, from our work over in, in northern India. One of one project we have is called Win Villages. And so we'd go in teaching the biblical principles. Now, those villagers, they might not even know. They know we're Christians, but they don't know where this teaching came from. Okay. So we're teaching them stewardship of their money. We're teaching them, get off the alcohol, stop being alcoholic, stop beating your wives. We're teaching them the value of educating their children. And we're teaching them health and hygiene. We're teaching them how to be healthy. And within a, <clears throat> a short time, this village starts to change. And these people's whole families start to change. And they start to say, wow, we're not sick anymore. Oh, we're saving our money. We're not poor anymore. Wow, we can change, we can tear down this mud hut and we can build ourselves a brick and mortar house. And one of our villages, that's what they did. Out of 40 families, 32 of them saved enough money, no money from our side. We just funded the training team and the conferences and whatever that we use to teach them the principles of the Bible. And they saved their own money and 32 out of 40 homes built their own um, brick and mortar homes with their own finance. Um, And so this kind of transformation is what God wants the church to bring all around the world. And it starts with faith in Jesus Christ. You know, now there's a where there's a strong church in that community as well, uh, that people are being discipled into Christ at the same time as they're experiencing a little bit of God's kingdom has come a little bit in that village. Wow, that's great. I mean, it, it, it's, it's biblical that transformation Christ bring is for the mm-hmm. whole person, for the whole community. That's um, right. Yeah, so I, I love that. I love that you're seeing the fruit of that too. Um, Where did wherever Jesus went? Think about this. Wherever Jesus went, he didn't just heal people and preach. He was demonstrating a different kingdom, a different government. A lot of us are not too happy with the governments of the world right now going on. Wasn't either ours nor Russia's. Right, right. We're not too happy with it. Jesus demonstrated a different government because he's the king, right? Guys, the king of kings and lord of lords. He's not just a religious leader. So when Jesus healed the sick, he was demonstrating the principle of the kingdom that sickness has no place in God's kingdom. When Jesus fed people, he was demonstrating the principle of the kingdom that in God's kingdom, in God's will, there's no hunger. 
when he defended the woman that was caught in adultery, he's he's demonstrating the principle of the kingdom a, a, of his of the government of God coming into earth that there's justice and there's righteous judgment. You know, this is um, and there's no trafficking and there's no abuse of women. You know, these kind of things. It was all government. It was God's government demonstrating what his will is in the earth. Hmm. Now, as we finish up, we only got a couple more minutes here, but I know, yeah. <laughs> um, would you share a little bit about just what you've experienced with unreached people? And my real hope with this is that, you know, people who don't have the chance to go out um, and experience it would at least hear um, what you've experienced with unreached people and just anything that God puts on your heart to share, whether what it's like or what the need is or, or anything like that. Yeah, thank you. And and again, I really encourage people to uh, go to our website, win.global, and uh, that's win.global. Not, uh, that's, that's, that's a new ending there. But uh, we are seeing such transformation in these areas of the world that there's been very little um, engagement of Christian, the Christian influence in these places and people. You go into a village and there's, they say, you say, do you know Jesus? And they say, no, try down the road. Maybe you'll find him there. Because they've never heard the name of Jesus in some of these places. Um, and so these are, this is the top priority in the heart of God, is that this gospel, just said, this gospel of the kingdom. And what's the gospel of the kingdom, right? The whole gospel. The gospel of the kingdom, starting with salvation in the name of Jesus Christ, should be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Well, um, that's that's why the unreached nations are very dear to the heart of God, and we need to focus. We need to do things to bring Christ to those places and to bring healing to the wounds of those nations. Um, so much of the uh, problems and the situations you see in those nations is because they are not following the biblical worldview. Uh, they're following the pagan or the, uh, the the worldviews of all these other things that do not open them up to the blessing of God. And so when we bring Christ and we bring biblical principles to the people, their lives are transformed. Um, and so that's what we're working on doing with the Wind Village projects. I could talk about so many other things we're doing. Water systems. We're bringing whole water systems into the Himalayan mountains and the Gangetic region where we're providing water and these villages completely change. They just go from poverty to uh, plenty, from hopelessness to hope. Child trafficking is being ended village after village. We're ending child trafficking. We have a drama team that's going out and teaching parents. We've created a movie that trains the parents how to stop trafficking. But I want to say to you, we want you to come visit uh, Win.Global. Be a part of what's happening in these unreached and very dark places in the world. At the same time, I want you to say, Lord, how can you use me right where I'm at? How can my hands be hands that heal? How can my lips bring the hope of Christ and of healing and of counsel to people around me? You are called to be a light in dark places wherever you go. Right. It always comes back to that conversation with God. Our relationship mm -hmm. with him. Thank you. As a last question, we always use to wrap up. Do you have any prayer requests for yourself, um, 
kind of the, your family, the people you're with, um, and then your country or the countries you work in? Yeah. Well, um, you know, pray for the situation in India right now. We have a lot of persecution in case. In fact, just this morning, uh, what came in on my, it's very sad, what came in on my um, um, WhatsApp, which is, is very regular. It comes in quite a bit like this, uh, if I find it. Um, this pastor, I don't know if you can see that. Mm. Yeah, just uh, murdered, uh, martyred for Christ in very near, not very far away from where we work. And so pray for the Christian, um, for the, for the, for justice and righteousness to be done in these nations, because there's so much injustice, especially against Christians right now. India is the 10th most persecuted. Christians are the most persecuted uh, uh, of anywhere in the world. Number, it ranks number 10 uh, on the list with North Korea and Afghanistan being the next ones up from India, uh, we have a lot of persecution. So pray for the Christians to persevere and to be a light, to not get into bitterness, but to forgive and to shine Christ uh, despite and through all of those challenges. Um, and uh, yeah, pray for that and uh, and for for. God's kingdom to come and his righteousness to be done in these nations such as India and in our own nation. Prayer is powerful. Thank you. Well, it's been it's been great having you on. Thank you so much for sharing some of your story with us. And um, yeah, we'll definitely be praying for that. Thank for you sure. so much, Alicia. It's just been a joy. And I praise the Lord for what you're doing. It's praise the Lord. And all of you out there uh, listening on the podcast, Go out there and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to show you where you can plug in to make a difference because you are called as the hands and feet of Jesus to bring hope and healing in this time, in these lands of darkness, in this season of trial. You have his spirit in you. Don't get into fear. Go out there. He's not giving you spirit of fear, but of power, love, soundness of mind to bring healing to everywhere around you. Thank you for listening to the Adorned Women podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then follow us on our Instagram for even more great content all week long. Our handle is at Adorned Women. You can also visit our website at www.adornedwomen.com. And of course, join us again next week as we connect with another sister in Christ and learn so much from her life of faith. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.